rolling and rolling. Hey guys, welcome to Americana, the American way. I'm Big John. Uh, you can find me on Parlor, YouTube, and Rumble, and all the other podcast platforms like Anchor and Spotify under the title Americana the American Way on Parlor, which is now back up and running. My handle is at the real Big John, all one wordy word. So let's kick it. CNBC, Communist News Broadcast Company. Trump will make his first post-presidency speech at right-wing conference as he keeps grip on GOP. Boy, what right-wing radical conference could he possibly be speaking he's crawled out of his hole in the lairs and depths of the fiery lakes of hell to wreak havoc at a right wing radicalized convention I hope you're picking up on my sarcasm former President Donald Trump is expected to deliver a keynote speech to close out Conservative Political Action Conference in Orlando, Florida next weekend. Conservative Political Action Conference, affectionately known as CPAC, had better have some really good servers Because if they're broadcasting this online, they're going to melt down the internet. Um, CPAC is a convention of conservative Republicans. uh, Probably some libertarians and others in there too. And they bring in various speakers uh, of fame and fortune to speak about conservative issues... Uh, and it's a diverse group, men, women, young, old, college Republicans, young Republicans. Uh, they even invite us 40 and over old Republicans. And it's a really like moderate, laid-back event. It's just a bunch of conservatives talking. They give different uh, seminars. Uh, and things, you know, how to be a candidate, how to, you know, tweet, how to 
pick your nose the Republican way. I don't know. Uh, I wanted to go there. A bunch of my friends, when I first got active in college Republicans, um, they went there. <clears throat> I blew my money on spring break and had fun instead. But nonetheless, uh, it's it's a good conservative political action committee. To hear that the, the way the headline of CNBC read, I thought, whoa, what... What radical group is Trump speaking to? Oh, it's CPAC. <laughs> they, they're going to take anything and everything uh, affiliated with Donald Trump and call it, you know, right-wing, radicalized. And this is supposed to be a news article. I'm going to go back up here and look at the byline to make sure my my four eyes have not deceived me. So the headline reads, Trump to make first post-presidency speech at right-wing conference as he keeps grip on GOP, as I read to you earlier. The, uh, it has the writer's name, Jennifer uh, Liu, L-I-U, one day ago. Does not say anywhere here that this is an op-ed or an opinion. But when you throw words in there like right wing, that's an opinion of someone. There's no group within the Republican Party, within CPAC, that is officially called itself right wing. That's a word the media uses. So Trump is going to close out the conference. He's spoke there. Uh, I think all four years he was president. Uh, he spoke there before he was president. I think that's where they show the picture of him hugging the American flag, which I thought was kind of tacky. For the longest time, I thought Trump was trying to throw that election for Hillary. I mean, it wasn't until days and weeks before the election, maybe a couple months before, that uh, I started to like Trump and I was going to vote for him. I was going to vote third party. And then I started listening to him. And not what the media, not what the pundits, not what the late night comics said about him. But I started listening to him and there was nothing right wing or radicalized about him. So... Uh, the article goes on to say, Former President Donald Trump is expected to deliver a keynote speech to close out the Conservative Political Action Conference in Florida. Trump is expected to speak about the future of the Republican Party and conservative movement, sources familiar with the plan say. The full lineup has not yet been announced and is subject to change. Okay, we're a little bit news-ish here. The event would be Trump's first extended public on-camera appearance since leaving office last month. In recent weeks, Trump has continued to rage at top Republicans who pushed back against him, including Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Senator John Thune, and the number two Republican in the Senate and longtime GOP political operative Carl Rove, according 
to people familiar with the matter. So CNBC doesn't even have firsthand knowledge that he's upset at the number two Senate Republican or Karl Rove. They have unnamed people familiar with the matter. Trump spokesman Jason Miller responded to CNBC's request for comment by emailing fake news period. We're focused on winning back the House and Senate in 2022. Uh, Trump's plan seems to be to back Republicans who support his agenda, who support Make America Great Again, uh, lower taxes, less government, more focus on American people like those that froze to death in Texas, uh, like those who are not getting vaccinated while our government spends $2 billion on helping other countries with distributing the vaccine, and uh, Make America First, not putting more troops into Syria to uh, get killed in the Syrian civil war. But Cindy McCain, who is no politician, is just a Trump hater because her husband, John McCain, was a Trump hater. And John McCain, the, the lovely, wonderful... I used to like McCain. 2000, you can find somewhere in, in the bowels of the internet where I was pro-McCain over Bush. George W. Bush. Let's make sure we're talking about the right kind of Bush here. Um, then I became a Bush guy and whatever. Um, well, I, I met George W. and I met John McCain. And frankly, W. was the, a nicer human being. He stood there for 20 minutes talking and taking photographs with my friends and I. Um, and I have dozens of other people... Uh, that have the same type of story, you know, his, his aides, his uh, handlers, whatever you call them, were, you know, come on, Mr. President, this way, this way, or, well, he was only governor, he would, pardon me, as te Texans, as Texans would say, he was the governor of Texas, and then he just became president after that, because uh, they think they're above, you know, all right, you have to have been in Texas to understand, they, really think they're their own country already. And they their culture is pretty much that. But take a little water break there and reset my brain. Some of you doubt that I even have a brain to water, but I do. Um so Cindy McCain, the wife of John McCain who leaked the fake steel dossier that started the whole Russia collusion lie and the multi-million dollar uh, Mueller investigation has an opinion on the future of the Republican Party after Trump's presidency. Uh, quote, we have got to overcome this, end quote. This is from Peeps Magazine, People Magazine. Oh, man, peeps are back in production, too, by the way, guys. I saw some at the store the other day. The pandemic, there were no peeps out at the, that, those, those awesome sugar-coated 
like 1,000% sugar marshmallow thingies. Yeah, they're back for Easter, baby. At least I saw them in a store. Maybe they were leftovers from last Easter, but I don't know. They're back, and I bought them up. So anyway, uh, Cindy McCain spoke out about the future of the Republican Party. Now, mind you, she is... She's never been a politician. She did some, she's done some nice things, you know, but she, she was not politically active until, you know, uh, John passed. And of course, you know, Trump said some uh, not nice things about uh, John McCain because McCain was an anti-Trumper. He was a never Trumper. But McCain was also about as, as knee deep in government and the establishment and all those wonderful, horrible things that take place in Washington as you can get. And he was supposed to be the moderate maverick who went against the Republican Party, who went against people in his own caucus. But he was moderate, that middle-of-the-road Republican that we needed to appeal to the masses let me tell you something. In 1992, the wool was pulled over your eyes. Bill Clinton was not a center, slightly left president. He was there to soften, soften us up, soften the underbelly, as I always say, to get us prepared for the next round of, you know, big government socialism Democrats that were coming down the pipe. But... The Republican Party always thought that it needed this moderate, middle-of-the-road guy that could appeal to everybody, like the Republican Bill Clinton. And in 2008, after Bush kicked it, kicked him out, or beat him in the primary, we'll say, uh, McCain, you know, he sided with Bush, okay. And then 2008, well, it's John McCain's turn to run. He's moderate. He's going to appeal to everyone. And he got his butt handed to him. So on Sunday, with, uh, during a conversation with CBS Sunday Morning correspondent Lee Cowan, the wife of late Senator John McCain, spoke about her grief and life without her husband. That's tragic. Uh, who died of brain cancer, 2018. I never thought I would say this, but I missed the chaos in the house. There was always some action happening. It was something, she said. So I missed that. I missed the commotion, and I missed the partnership. That, that's sad. She misses, you know, I mean, it's tragic when, you know, a long-time husband, uh, a wife dies, um, she added, and his friendship, his love, and it's, you know, you just, it's day by day. So she's softening you up. They're softening you up here so they can get ready for the evil Donald Trump to rear his comb overhead and make him out to be the sinister SOB. In addition, McCain also shared how the GOP has to move forward following Donald Trump's presidency. Our side, it swung away to the right. It's, pardon me, it swung way to the right. 
It'll come back. It'll come back, she said. This is what I was talking about a minute ago. George W. Bush, at the time he came in, he was too Christian. He was too conservative. He was too far to the right. And moderate, middle-of-the-road John McCain in 2000 was supposed to be the guy. He was the establishment's guy. Bush was the establishment name, but W was not supposed to be the one to run. It was supposed to be Jeb that would eventually take the you know, heir to the Bush presidency throne. But John McCain was the establishment Republican Party's guy. He was softer. He was gentler. He was moderate. He could reach across the aisle. Moderate, gentle Republicans don't win national elections. Okay? Donald Trump, if you believe he lost fair and square, lost because the media and the Democrats put out anti-Trump rhetoric, which I'm being very cynical about right now. And people like John McCain, that there were these soft, you know, he was supposed to be this great war hero. And he was. All warriors, all, all of our soldiers, I respect. There are some bad apples, but I won't let that spoil the whole bunch. Because I never want to come across as anti-military. Okay? But when McCain started attacking Trump, Trump fought back. And people said, well, you can't, you can't criticize John McCain. He was a war hero. And Trump said, well, you know, yeah, all, all soldiers are heroes, but I like heroes that don't get captured. Ooh. And the military, or the left-wing liberal media played that clip to death. Uh, I like, I like heroes that don't get captured. Oh, Trump hates the military. He hates all soldiers that were held hostage at the Hanoi Hilton during Vietnam. No, you nincompoops in the media that glorify people like Hanoi Jane Fonda. That's not what Trump was doing. Trump is a fighter. He's a, he's a New Yorker. He ain't going to take sass from no, you know, moderate flyboy pilot John McCain. Nothing against, you know, flyboy pilots. They, they protect my butt and save our ass in wars. But, you know, <laughs> Trump's not going to take his lip. So Trump fought back, you know. And then it's proven fact. John McCain leaked, leaked the fake steel dossier. And it started this huge thing about Russian collusion had a multi-million dollar, multi-year investigation that turned out nothing, no Russian collusion. And then they had to revert to this, well, maybe perhaps President Trump uh, interfered with Mueller's investigation. But it doesn't matter because the whole trigger to all the FISA warrants was the fake steel dossier that John McCain leaked. And Cindy McCain is mourning her husband. The media is taking advantage of her. And, of course, in mourning her husband, she's going to 
be mad at the guy that attacked her husband. Just like her daughter, her daughter, Megan, my daddy, McCain, who idolizes her father like most young women do, should, we hope. They had good fathers. And there's nothing saying John McCain was not a good father. He probably was. Uh, and Megan should idolize her father. But that's their whole shtick, you know. Oh, our, my husband was a great American senator. My husband was a war hero. My daddy was a great, great senator. He was, you know, on, on TV being interviewed during the war while he was uh, a POW. But he still leaked the fake Steele dossier that cost the country millions of dollars all because he hated Donald Trump. Doesn't make him a very nice guy. Doesn't make him a very good politician. If you're leaking what you know is a lie. Just because you don't like somebody. Anyways. Aside from hating on Trump. Something else the Democrats are going to have to unify on. Is this. 1.9 trillion dollar, dollar, dollar bill package that Biden wants to pass. Now, the Hill, let me say that without a cigar in my mouth, the Hill is reporting Democrats face unity test on Biden's 1.9 trillion dollar bill I like the way they work that keyword unity in there you know how the Democrats are always preaching unity and uh, Biden preaches unity but they practice division uh, anyways that was just kind of a side note House Democrats will face the biggest test of unity this week as they prepare to get President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief package closer to the finish line. Uh, and then it shows a picture of um, old Nancy. I think it's Rashida Tlaib. They're all wearing masks. Uh, and then uh, Joe Manchin. He's very, him and Nancy are very recognizable. Uh, with no Republicans expected to cross party lines to support the package, Democrats have little room for error to ensure it satisfies the centrist and progressive wing of the caucus that make up their razor-thin majority while delivering on Biden's top legislative priority. The House Budget Committee is meeting Monday to formally consolidate the entire wide-ranging package, which includes a third round of stimulus checks, only 1,400 bones, guys. A minimum wage increase, that's scary. $130 billion to help reopen K-12 in-person learning. You know, my school district is um, not exactly rich, and we've been back to school with no problemos since January 4th. And anyone that's caught COVID at our school has caught, it's been traced back to an outside gathering, like a personal 
uh, family gathering or something like that, but that's beside the point. Uh, and then renewed unemployment insurance benefits before they expire in mid-March. The renewed benefits are the additional like 200 or 400 or $600 people are getting. The only thing I disagree with right now that I see in this package is the $15 minimum wage. 30% of mom and pop businesses have already gone under. Restaurants, right? You now are going to pay busboys and people like that 15 bucks an hour. You're going to kill the other, the other 70%. So somehow the moderate or the the moderate wing of the Democrat Party needs to negotiate that out and kick that can down the road because you can't do that in this economy. You're going to kill small businesses, dead, the ones that aren't already. Uh, from there, Democrats hope to move quickly to get the package to Biden's desk before the unemployment insurance benefits lapse. Speaker Nancy Pelosi and her leadership team are aiming for a floor vote by Friday so that the Senate can take it up the following week. The bill is amended by the Senate. Then the White House will likely take up the package during the week of March 8th. I've heard that you know if this goes perfectly and hopefully somebody takes that minimum wage out of there. Now, okay, uh, the White House progressives are touting victories in the package like the inclusion of an increase in federal minimum wage from $17 to $15 per hour by 2025. That's still going to hurt. Even though it's going to be worked in slowly each year, step by step, and people are going to be mad when they hear when they find that out. They're not telling you that out outright. They're just saying we're going to give you fifteen dollars an hour. Um, skip down to the next paragraph. It, thank God, it's possible the minimum wage provision will be disqualified by the Senate parliamentary. From the budget reconciliation progress anyway, if it doesn't meet the requirements that change the effect on the federal budget and that and that it is not merely incidental to the effect. So they're doing this as um, a change to the federal budget and a minimum wage increase for everybody in America would not be a part of a budget correction, uh, federal budget correction. So if they only raise the minimum wage for federal employees, that could fly. But they can't raise the budget for everybody in America or the minimum wage for everybody in America because that's not a budgetary issue for the federal government. That's one hell of a budgetary issue for mom and pop small businesses, small family run restaurants. Uh, I mean, even, you know, your Walmarts, your giant eagles, 
uh, Piggly Wiggly, Wind Dixie, whatever it's called down south, uh, those places are going to be hurt by this jump in the minimum wage. I mean, I, you know, frankly, minimum wage or minimum skill jobs, and they're there to get you into the marketplace. <coughs> they're not a career. And right now, America needs career employees. At least we did. We need we need skilled laborers. We need electricians. We need welders. We need people with a strong back and a hearty work ethic. And that's where you get your $15, $25 an hour and up. Minimum wage is just supposed to be your first entry-level job and you know, where you learn work ethic. It's not a career, you know. Uh, but it all goes back to societal issues and uh, moral issues and, and deeper issues within the country where you have people that uh, get into a minimum wage job, they get a girl pregnant, the girl gets pregnant, uh, and now she's a single mom and doesn't know anything other than minimum wage. Now, that could be very well a, should very well be motivator to sacrifice a little in the short term, find an online school, find a trade school, and learn a, a better way of life, and then increase your own wage, make yourself more viable in the marketplace. But they don't preach that. Government doesn't preach that. Schools don't teach um, financial planning. They don't teach uh, our kids uh, work ethic. That's something you can only learn on your own, really. But, you know, they don't teach financial management. You know, why do you get a minimum wage job? Also, you know, hey, man, if I make, you know, whatever, $10 an hour, right? Let's just pretend that's the new minimum wage. Well, I can afford a cheap apartment. I can afford my PlayStation. I can afford my internet. And I can work at McDonald's the rest of my life. Oh, yeah, that's the American dream. Give me a break. Well, anyways, guys. So, Senate, or a couple things that, you know, our government is in a rush to do right now trying to rush into war, rushing out billions of dollars to help other countries uh, proliferate the COVID vaccine, and they are rushing to get this minimum wage increase, and they're also trying to get aid to American people. But I'm sure if we dig deeper into this COVID relief bill, we'll find plenty of pork barrel spending. Um, <clears throat> although this article doesn't cover that, it just goes on to talk about, um, the minimum wage more, um, see our GOP house leaders, meanwhile, are actively whipping against the bill, calling it Nancy Pelosi's payoff to progressives act, um, so the the big things in here that this article is going on about are the minimum wage, which would uh, 
put 1.4 million people out of a job. Uh, it would lift about 900,000 out of poverty, but then that's going to be offset by the 1.4 million that are put out of work. So the Keystone XL pipeline and American oil drilled from American soil could help those 900,000 and the other 1.4 million. But, oh well, I guess we're, we're more worried about pushing socialist agendas and government control of everything. Uh, and we need to delve, delve deeper into this uh, bill to see what else is in there in this $1.9 trillion. Uh, I will put, again, in this description, the phone numbers to the Congressional and White House switchboards so you can call and leave messages for your representatives and for your president. And uh, we'll see you next time on Americana the American Way. Thank you all. God bless you and pray for each other. Have a good, good old time. Have a big old time. Have a <laughs>